Um, I usually, on Sunday mornings, at some point before church starts, uh, exchange text messages with some of my friends who are also preaching. Um, just, you know, hey, praying for you. Hope things go well today. Different things. And this morning I texted all of them and said, I'm praying for you guys this morning because I feel like we've got some extra pressure this morning. Because if the Chicago Cubs are in the World Series, the second coming must be near. And one of my... One of my friends who is a Cubs fan responded and said, well, I'm, I'm really just surprised we made it through the night and he didn't come back because he, I figured it was going to happen. But, so um, I've got that in mind today. Um, this is the last week of this series we've been in the last few weeks called Rediscovering the Church, where we've been looking through the different things that God has called us to be as his people. And my original plan today to put a cap on this series was to talk about prayer and how God has called us to pray. And I think that is very extremely important. Um, but honestly, last Sunday night I was reading and I came across the parable of the sower and it just got a hold of me. Um, and so I just feel like to put a cap on this series, I want to spend some time looking at this parable of the sower. Um, because I think there's a lot here for how we respond to the gospel that we've been given. Um, and what God expects us to be as his people. Um, and so I just want to begin this morning by reading um, the, first, the first bit of this parable. I want to read from Mark um, chapter 4, verses 1 to 9. It says, And he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun arose, it was scor- and when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Too often I fly through the parables. Um, they're some of Jesus' most popular teachings. They're some of the easiest to understand. They're just, they're just stories. There's not a lot of argument about what they mean and debate about what we do with them. And so I, I just, so often I just fly through them. I treat them like, if I'm listening to a friend of mine tell a story that I've heard before, if he's telling someone else's story and I, I know where the story's going, I know what they're trying to say, and I, I can tell it's, you know, there's a funny part coming, and so I start laughing, and I start watching the other people who haven't heard the story before because I want to see how they react to it, but I'm not really listening to the story. I'm remembering past times where they've told me the story because I want to, I want to get on. I just kind of check out because you know it's just a story. It's a story I've heard before, and sometimes I do that with the parables. You know, spending a lot of time in some of Paul's detailed arguments in the New Testament where it's like super complicated and Paul doesn't know how to use a period sometimes. And so it's just this long paragraph that's really just all one sentence. And it's, it's this very detailed argument. I understand spending a lot of time in that, but the parables are just stories. Can't we just read through them and just get on with more important things? But I don't think that's what Jesus ever meant for us to do. Because when you rush through a parable, you end up just thinking they're a cute story. There's so much more than that. Jesus didn't tell parables just so we would think he was a really good storyteller. He told parables so we could get a glimpse of who God is. 
And the only way we can really understand what Jesus is trying to get across in these parables is, is to linger in them, spend, spend time percolating on what Jesus is saying in these parables. One scholar has said that the point of the parables, Jesus, with his parables, he's trying to get his audience to, to tease the mind into active thought, which I think is a really fancy way of saying Jesus is trying to get us to think. And Jesus wants these parables to hang around in the back of our mind. He wants us to think about what he's trying to say. He wants us to work towards a truth that he has kind of left a little vague. So what's he trying to get at with these soils? Is it, is it more than just a story about a farmer throwing seed everywhere? He's trying to get at something else. So I think before we can get to a more, Jesus does explain to us what he's trying to tell us with these, with these soils. Um, but I think before we get to that, we need to spend some time looking at each of these soils that Jesus talks about. And the first one is in verse 4 here, this, this hardened soil. This hardened soil, it never gives the seed a chance. The farmer throws the seed onto it and it just, it just sits. It just bounces off of it. It doesn't do anything with it. At one point, this soil, I'm sure, had been just like any other soil in the field. It had promised to bear fruit. It, was going, it could have done a lot, but, but it had been through a lot. And people had made it into a path. People had walked on it time and time again, going from point A to point B. And, and as they did that, that soil eventually got hard. And it just became this, this crusty soil that was closer to concrete than dirt. And just when the seed came, it, it just bounced off of it. It was just left there for the taking because, because the soil wasn't going to do anything with it. It had, it had been hardened. It, it had gone through too much. It, 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 was, it was done trying to receive that soil because it, it had become hardened. And then the second soil in verses 5 to 6, we see that there's, there's shallow soil. And this soil had potential. It looks good on the surface. There's some hints that, that maybe something's going to grow here because there, there's some other stuff there already. And, and when the seed's planted at, at first, it, it produces. It, the seed falls on it. It takes the, the crop comes up. It looks like we're going to get a good harvest. Things look good. And then for some reason, it, it just withers away. It, just get, it gets scorched. This soil that showed so much promise doesn't produce because it wasn't prepared for all the things that come with producing a crop. It didn't have the nutrients in it that are necessary. It had, other, it had the rocks in the soil that were getting in the way. There, there were other things that kept the soil from being necessary. There were things taking away from making the soil productive. And the things that looked so good on the surface just ended up not having any substance. And then there's this third soil, and I, I, it had the thorns in it, and I ended up deciding to call this the preoccupied soil. Because there's nothing here that suggests that this soil is any different than the really good soil. There, there's nothing here that would tell us that, that the soil itself is bad. It had a lot of potential. This sower probably had hope that, that this could maybe produce a good crop. But the only difference between this soil and the soil that produced a good harvest was that there was too much stuff going on around the crop. Every time, every time the crop started to grow, every time there started to be fruit from the harvest, the, the thorns, the weeds, anything else around it would, would get in the way and would take away the nutrients from the soil and would, would keep a crop from producing. 
the thorns that were already there got in the way of the soil doing what it was meant to do. The thorns distracted the soil from fulfilling its purpose. But then we have the last soil. And this last soil had everything going for it. It was, it was arable. It, it didn't have weeds growing in it. It didn't have rocks in it. It was, it was fertile. Things were good. And it delivered on the hope that the farmer had, that the sower had. It, it didn't have other things getting in the way. The nutrients that the seed needed to grow were there. It grew how it was expected to. And because nothing got in the way of it producing a crop after the seed was planted, it produced an incredible crop. And even though these other three soils produced nothing, got no type of good crop from the soil, the, the good harvest from this one type of soil is so incredible that the production from this soil is greater it covers up for all the failure of all the other soils. Because this soil was so good, the, far, the farmer forgets about how the other soils failed because this soil did so well. So here we are with, with a lot of dirt. Why, why does Jesus tell this parable? What's he trying to get across? What do we do with this story about farming? Is this just advice on how to plant your crops? Because if you just read verses 1 to 9, it's like, oh, yeah. do you know this sower? Like, I don't, I don't under, is this your friend that's not a good sower of seed? What are, why are you telling us this story, Jesus? But Jesus says something really interesting at the end in verse 9. He says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Hear what? Farming 101? Or is Jesus trying to get us to see something more? Is this not just about seeds and soil? In the rest of this passage, Jesus explains not only why he tells this parable, but why he tells all of his parables. And he explains in verses 10 to 12. He says, and when he was, the, the text says, And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those Outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Jesus says that his parables, he tells parables so that they might not understand. Now, I have to... I have to admit, for, my, for every sermon I've preached here, I've, across the top of my notes every Sunday, I've got just a few quick notes of things that I jot down that I hope you guys take away from my, from my sermon. That, you know, if, if I asked you when you were walking out, you should hopefully maybe have picked this up along the way somewhere. I've never written across the top of my notes, my goal today is that they will be more confused when they walk out of church than they were when they walked in. That's probably happened. If it has, I'm sorry. It wasn't on purpose. But I've never set out to accomplish that in a sermon. Why would Jesus tell stories to try to make people more confused? Do you ever, is it ever a good day at church when you walk out and say, Well, I, I thought I understood that passage, but then the preacher started talking, and now I, I don't have a clue at all. I think to understand this, we need to come back to what we said earlier about Jesus trying to get us to think. One of my favorite sermons ever is on these verses here in, in Mark 4, verses 10 to 12. And it's by um, Dr. Thomas Long. And, and he says that Jesus is, it's not that Jesus is telling parables so that we don't repent. He's trying to keep us, he's telling parables so we don't believe too quickly. 
It's not that Jesus doesn't want us to believe. It means that Jesus doesn't want us to jump on board with what he's saying without having a clue of what that means. Jesus is leaving things a little vague in his parable so he can push us deeper. Jesus tells the parables of the Jesus tells the parable of the sower this way so so we'll think about where we fit in this story so we will let what Jesus is saying in this story hang around in our minds and think about what it means for our lives and and what spiritual truths Jesus is trying to get at with these with this parable and so he will push us deeper to a deeper faith to a deeper trust in him because he's not just laying out truths he's he's telling us stories to push us deeper Eugene Peterson says that that parables are like a time bomb. He says that Jesus told stories that didn't appear to be about God. This story, if you just read, came across this story anywhere, nothing about it would make you think that it was about God if you just read it by itself. And Jesus tells these parables so that his audience would relax and say, oh, he's just telling a story about farming. This is kind of interesting. How about that? And, and it, they relax and they listen to the story and they go away and they say, huh, I don't know what that story was about. It was a good story. I don't really know what to do about it. And then eventually they would realize that, in fact, he wasn't just talking about farming. The parable was the kingdom of God invading their mind because Jesus had driven them deeper through a story. And in the rest of this passage, we see that. We see that Jesus isn't just talking about some farmer. He's talking about how God is sowing the seeds of the gospel in our lives. So I want to continue reading verses 13 to 20. Says, and he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How often, how then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it, and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. All of humanity falls into one of these camps. And we see that in, in the first soil, we have people with hardened hearts. Some people, when they hear the gospel, they just, they're just against it. Uh, maybe it's the experiences that they've gone through that has hardened their hearts against the gospel. They tried it. They didn't think it worked for them. God didn't deliver on the promises they felt that he made to them. For whatever reason, the gospel just didn't work for them. And because of that, when they hear the gospel now, they're just, they're just hard soil. The, the seeds of the gospel just, just bounce off of them. They don't, they don't want anything to do with it. it, it just, it's not taken. It's just, they just don't want it. And for a long time, my, my grandpa was one of these people. He was just, it's not that he was antagonistic against the church. He was just apathetic towards it. He had seen people around him his whole life follow Jesus and just didn't really want anything to do with it he was he was just hard-hearted but when i was in junior high my my grandpa died by a heart attack and and 
through that grief, God began working on my grandpa. And God began showing him how badly he needed the gospel, how badly he needed the grace of God, how badly he needed the hope of the resurrection. And, and over the years, when I was in junior high and high school, I got to watch this strong man who never saw a situation that he didn't think he could handle on his own walk forward to an invitation hymn and submit to baptism and admit that he couldn't save himself, that he needed the grace of God. What do you do with soil that's hard? You don't just leave it. If you're going to get a crop from it, you, you don't just leave that soil to be hard and just give up. You don't just let it be bird feed. You, you till that soil. You, you go to work on it. You water it. Just because a soil doesn't let seed grow at first doesn't mean that it's a lost cause and that it will never grow, soil, never grow a crop. It just means that it needs some work done to it. And for those of us that are bored with the gospel, whether we aren't amazed by grace anymore, whether it feels like God hasn't delivered on promises to us anymore, and we wonder if it's worth continuing in the faith, whether we just feel like the commands of God are too hard and that there's too many things, good things God is trying to keep us from and it's just not enjoyable anymore, it doesn't mean we're beyond repair. We'll never see the fruit of the gospel. It might just mean we need to let the sower of the seed work on us and make us more fertile. And then there, there are the, the shallow hearts that Jesus talks about in verses 16 and 17. He says, it's, there's some people who want the joy of the gospel without the pain of the gospel. Grace sounds really great, but we don't always want the hard things that come with grace, like, like being obedient to the commands of God, like moving away from sin and moving towards holiness. Like the fact that coming to Jesus doesn't mean all our troubles in life magically go away. Sometimes... Sometimes hard things come, even though we are followers of Jesus. There is, and with, with this type of heart, there is real desire to bear fruit, but there is not a real desire to do the work between planting and harvest that is necessary for that harvest. I grew up going to church camp every summer, and there was a group of kids of, that were my age. That there was a, For a small church camp, there was a pretty, pretty good-sized group of kids my own age, and we started going to church camp. I started going there when I was in fourth grade and met some of these kids. And we went all through high school together every single summer coming to church camp together. And, and I'm still friends and in touch with some of them today. And, but in the years between when we graduated high school in 2012 and now, there's been a lot of them that have fallen away. And, and I get on Facebook and I see just pictures and posts and just different stuff. And, and it's honestly sad it's not that they don't believe in God anymore, but their devotion to Jesus was, was rooted more in what their parents believed or in their relationship with someone in their church, with their youth minister, with friends. It was rooted in fun they had at church camp or at youth group, and it was never about a personal relationship with Jesus first and foremost. And even though they received the gospel with joy in the past, even though they, they enjoyed the things Jesus had to offer in the past, they... Their growing faith has been scorched in this world because they didn't have the, the depth to endure the periods of life where faith is hard. And we're following, they didn't have the depth to endure the periods of life where it was about more than just what do you do? Do you sleep in on Sunday morning or not? Do you go to bed early on Wednesday night or not? Sometimes it's, our faith has to be pushed deeper because with with soil that, that has rocks in it, shallow soil, you don't, 
you don't just give up on it. You do the hard work of getting the rocks and the weeds and all that stuff. You do the hard work of getting it out. And for those of us that don't, that don't have the root of our faith deep enough to maintain it through the things that threaten our faith, we, we need to do the work of getting the rocks out. And we, we need to do the, the hard work of creating a heart in ourselves that is more open to what God is wanting to do in our lives. Because making, our, making soil that is more capable of sustaining a crop is the only way that we'll be able to make it through trials of life. Productive soil doesn't just have a good run after planting, have about two weeks where it's really great after planting, and then you know we'll catch you later at the harvest. No, productive soil is productive for months, for long periods of time, through good, bad, through hot and cold and rainy and whatever you want to throw in there that Productive soil is in it for the long haul, and anything else will ultimately fail. And then in verses 18 and 19, Jesus explains that there's, there's some hearts that are just preoccupied. Some people hear the gospel, they like it, but it's, it's just it's not at the top of the priority list. You know, I'll get around to it when I'm older. I got stuff going on right now at work. I'll, you know, I got to settle down and get married and have kids, and then I'll figure it out. There's, there's just some people who... It's just not as big a priority as it should be. There's too much going on to be bothered with the gospel. We're too busy to get around to the things that Jesus calls us to. And I don't know if this is just me being in college or what, but, but we're a busy culture. I, I need to start keeping track because it feels like every time I ask someone at school how they're doing, it's, well, I'm busy. You know, I, I, don't, I got stuff going on. I'm, I, I'm just busy all the time, just busy. We have... <laughs> We have more technology than at any other point in human history. We're capable of doing more than we've ever been able to do, which isn't all a bad thing. But when we fill our lives with all these good things that, we are, that we're able to do, sometimes we squeeze out great things. We squeeze out the most important things. And with this world pulling us in 50 different directions, with all these different things to do, with long to-do lists, with so many things we're capable of doing, sometimes we just need to slow down because it can be really easy for the things of the Christian life to get choked out. So what do you do with soil that has thorns growing in it? You, you do some weeding. You get rid of the things that are pulling nutrients from the soil that aren't the crop you're trying to grow because the soil isn't hopeless. It just needs the things that aren't essential taken away from it so that the essential things can grow. And sometimes the best thing we can do is to be less distracted so that God can work in our lives so that we can give the important things in life the priority that they deserve. Because our goal ultimately is to be prepared hearts. This is, there's nothing saying that those other three soils are destined to always be the same. The goal with all these soils is for that they will be more like the fourth soil. There's steps that can be taken to move people from being closer to being soil that bears a harvest. We want to be soil that is prepared to receive the gospel and to bear fruit like we've been called to. And when we do that, we naturally bear fruit, not because of the things we do, but because God is at work in our lives. Because he's planted the seed in each of us and he calls us to respond to it. And with this series, I hope that through coming back to the things we've been called to be as the church has, has helped us be more receptive to responding to the gospel. Because God, 
God is sowing seeds in our lives, and He's calling us to respond through bearing fruit in the gospel. He's calling us to be soil that is responsive to the seed He is planting in our lives. And He's calling us to live out the things He's called us to be in the world. And how we live as the church is tied directly to how we respond to the seed of the gospel. And when we look at this parable, we could all probably place ourselves in a soil. We could all probably look back over periods of our life. Well, yeah, I was the rocky soil at one point. I was the hard soil at one point, And I was the thorny soil at one point. And sometimes I've been the productive soil. Now I feel like I'm back in this one and I move around a lot. And, and we could all probably do that. And maybe, maybe you've been thinking through that and thinking through things of, yeah, I, I'm, I'm here right now and I need to move here. And how can I... How can I respond to the gospel? How, what are the things I can, I can do to help me be more receptive to what God's doing? Maybe you've been thinking about someone else, so you can, you can think, picture their face right now and say, yeah, they're, they're here. They're in this soil. And what can I do to help them move closer to being good soil? I hope that you see that there is hope for anyone to move towards being a productive soil. Regardless of which one of these soils we might be in right now, Jesus is calling all of us to move to the productive, to be like the productive soil, to receive the gospel and to bear a harvest that is greater than we could ever imagine, greater than we could ever do on our own. I think one of the best ways we can put a cap on this series is to think through what it would look like for each of us to move towards being productive soil, to being, to being people who are bearing fruit, to be to be people who are responding to the gospel. And for some of us, that will, be, that will be moving towards holiness, like we talked about in week one of this series, where Peter calls us, in 1 Peter chapter 2, we're called to be holy people. And so maybe we just need to work at, we don't need to work, we need to live in the grace of Jesus. We need to live a life of holiness in response to the fact that God has made us holy. And we can bear a harvest of the gospel simply through showing a broken world what it looks like to be the holy people of God. And for some of us, the call is obedience through trusting that the commands that God has given us are for our benefit and that being more like Jesus through keeping commands he has given us. And as boring as that sounds, it might be one of the most important things we could do. And for some of us, it could simply be being more unified with those around us, striving to work together for the common good of the gospel because we've been called to reflect the unity of God to the world. For some of us, we might need to be more intentional about living in community, like we talked about last week, devoting ourselves to fellowship that God has made us a part of through our devotion to God and through our devotion to one another because we're not each one individual field in this parable. We're all one field in one soil or another, and through living in community, we can help one another move closer to being soil that responds to the seed God is planting in our lives. And whatever you feel God calling you to, I pray that we can be a group of people that bears fruit for the sake of the gospel. That we could all be soil that responds to the seed God is planting in our lives and bears a fruit for the sake of the kingdom of God. Because that's what we've been called to be as the church. We've been called to be people who, who bear fruit. Because God's, God's at work in our lives. God's at work in the people around us. And we have been called to respond. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you that you are sowing seeds in the world. And God, we want to be people 
who receive your word and bear fruit in this world. God, your word says in Isaiah 55 that just as the rain and the snow come down to earth to water it and to grow seed, that your word comes from your mouth to accomplish your purposes. And God, we ask that you accomplish your purposes through us, your people. God, may we respond to the seed that you've planted in our lives and bear fruit for the glory of your kingdom. And it's through your son that I pray. Amen.